0: you are listening to Press Church Podcast, please enjoy this week's message. I'm going to preach my Christmas sermon today. Because for Christmas Eve, we're just going to be reading the Christmas story. And so the title of the Christmas sermon today is Make Haste. Make Haste. And we're going to be looking at the passage in Luke chapter 2 verses 15 through 17. Luke chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. In verse 15, it says, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Verse 16 says, and they came with haste, And found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Verse 17, now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child. We're jumping right into the middle of this Christmas story. The babe has been born. There was no room in the inn. They are in the barn. They've had the baby. And all of a sudden an angel shows up to these shepherds, these shepherds who had farmed and taken care of their sheep probably in the same property time and time and time again on the same hill. They've gone out there every night and they've started fires and they've they've pushed away the bad animals and they've pulled together in the good animals and they've shared stories and they've shared meals. They've done the same thing over and over and over, but this is a unique night. This is a different night. God decided to show up and show up in their normal circumstance. And an angel showed up and tells them about this amazing child who was just born. And that in itself would have been a good enough announcement. I haven't yet seen an angel. Maybe you have. And the idea of just seeing one angel in my lifetime would be amazing. And was amazing to the shepherds put God being so gracious, God being so good. That wasn't a good enough announcement for God. And it says all of a sudden the entire sky was filled with angels. And they all started singing together glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, goodwill to men. And as they're standing there and they see one angel and they see multiple angels and now these angels are singing. Imagine the voices, imagine the harmonies. Imagine the music and the noise that was coming to these shepherds. And then all of a sudden, we pick up the story, and the angels are gone. And all they hear is their sheep, all they hear is the crackle of the fire. And they said, We've been made known this, and we must make haste to go and see the child. They fall down, they worship the child. And then immediately after they get done seeing the child and having this this God experience, they take off and they go tell others. The first truth that I want to pull out of this story is the Lord wants to reveal things to you, especially about His Son. The Lord wants to reveal things to you. The angels just showed up to the shepherds in the middle of the night, in the middle of their normal routine, In the middle of doing what they've always done, God showed up. And God showed up with a message. God showed up with a purpose. God showed up with something that would forever change them in their walk and their encounter on earth. And God wants to do the same, and God wants to do the same today. God wants to reveal things to you. God wants to talk to you. He wants to have communication with you, there's this misconception that God wants to hide things from you, that God's waiting for you to do something. He's waiting for you to come to church a lot more, read its Bible more, pray more, give more. He's waiting. There's this misconception that He's waiting, and then once you do enough on the scale according to Him, He says, now I'll talk to Him. Now I'll reveal myself to her. And we see in the scriptures that the shepherds were doing nothing. The shepherds weren't at church. The shepherds weren't actively worshiping God and starting a shepherd band and traveling the shepherd community singing about the goodness of God. They were just living their normal life and God showed up because he wanted to reveal something to them because he loved them and he loved his Son. God's not trying to hide things from you. He's trying to get things to you. Who was the one that was hiding in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned? Was it God hiding behind trees? I can't believe Adam and Eve did this. And they're, God, where are you? God, God, where are you? No, it was mankind who was hiding in the trees and it was God who was actively seeking them. And ever since that moment, God has been actively seeking humanity, and He's been actively seeking you and me. God's not trying to hide things from you, because from the moment in the garden, He could have stayed up in heaven and told Adam and Eve, you come up to heaven, I'm not going down to you. But that's not who God was. God came down in the cool of the day in the garden that He created with mankind, and spent time And then Adam and Eve sinned, and God had to come up with a plan. What do I do? How do I get back to humanity? And he says, I know. I'll send my son down to earth for them. So God came down from the garden, and then he sent his son down to earth to reach out to humanity. And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then Jesus had to come back to heaven But once again, God's not trying to hide or take things from humanity. He's trying to get a relationship to you. So Jesus left, and he says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's not just going to be this man walking around the earth. The Holy Spirit is now going to live inside of you. The same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead now dwells in you. It's the mystery that's been revealed. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And now the Holy Spirit is not just around us, but He's inside of us. Yes, that could all be good enough, but there's one day where God is going to get tired of this earth, and He's going to look to His Son, and He's going to tell His Son, go get my church and bring them back to me. Now if he's a God who's trying to hide, who's trying to keep you at an arm's length, if he's trying to keep you away, if he's putting his foot out saying, don't get close to me, you're dirty and icky, then why would he let you come into his house for eternity? And the beauty is, is even if you die before Jesus returns, it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And ultimately, God is going to let you stay in His house for free for eternity because God wants to reveal things to you. God wants to show you His heart. God wants to show you how much He loves you, how much He cares for you, and how much He needs you in His kingdom. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 4, You've heard me preach this scripture many, many times, and you'll hear me preach it many, many times in the future. This is Paul talking to the Gentile church. He says, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand. So there's a part in ours that we have to play, that the preacher is delivering the gospel. We are preaching and bringing this message to you, but you, on your own, have to receive it, And I'm not with you on Monday, so whenever you go to work on Monday, it's the thing that has to sustain you. It's the thing that you have to stand on. When everything's coming against you, you are standing on the chief cornerstone, the gospel message, which says in verse 2, by which also you are saved. So not only am I receiving it, not only am I standing on it, it's also saving me. If you hold fast to the words which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain, Here it is, the gospel message, the simplest thing that you could ever tell somebody, the most important thing that you could ever tell somebody. For I deliver to you first, I've got to receive it first before I give it to someone. Of all that which I also receive, that Christ died. It's not just that he died. All men die, all women die, and there are plenty of people who actually have died for other people. We have soldiers, we have police officers, we have firefighters, we have these people who go out and give their lives. You have children right now. If there was a child running across the street, you would run and jump in front of the car to save that child's life. It's not just that a man died, it's not just that a man died for someone else, it's that Christ died for your sins, according to the scriptures and that he was buried in a tomb, verse 4 says, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That is the gospel message. That is what saves mankind. Not coming to church, not doing this, doing that, being good and hoping you're good outweighs the bad. It's the simple thing of believing the gospel message that Christ died for your sins was buried in a tomb and rose again a third day. And believing on that is what saves you. He's trying to get something to you. He's trying to speak something to you. He's trying to save you. He's trying to pull you out of hell and put you in heaven with him. He's not trying to hide things. He's not trying to put stuff in a foggy mirror to what you're trying to figure out. Is that God? Is that? No, no, no. He's trying to get this simple message to you, and he sent it in the form of a baby. And he sent it by telling each and every shepherd at that moment Go and see this beautiful babe. Go see this beautiful king that has been born. I would assume here, it's a large assumption, but I'll assume it in this group of people. Have you ever read a book? We've all probably read at least one book. Have you ever read a really good book? One you can't put down, where you're just reading and reading. I was reading a book on, I was out of town. Uh, I was in Dallas. I was Preaching at a couple churches last Sunday. Uh, thank you all to all who helped and served while I was gone. And then I was working uh, my office job Monday and Tuesday, and I got on the flight Wednesday. and uh, I got there early to the airport, because uh, Dallas traffic is horrendous. And I was reading a book, and I couldn't put the book down. It was on my phone, and I read through the whole book all the way home, because it was a good book. captured my attention. What's your favorite book, that favorite book? And we can see the enticement of reading a book. And I'm not just talking about the Bible, because you should be reading the Bible all the time. I'm talking about just a a book that's out there, a self-help book, a fiction book, a history book. But the first thing that entices you is usually the front cover, is usually the title. If it's a self-help book, how to get buff in two days. You got my attention. How to become a millionaire in three hours. I'll go ahead and read that. I've got three hours to spare. Books that take me to an imaginative world that take me out and about. History books about great men and women who have done all of these things. And you read the forward and it tells you a a breakdown of it. Then you read the first chapter and it pulls you in and entices you. And the more you read... The more revelation you get, more than likely when you get that self-help book, How to Become a Trillionaire in Two Minutes, they're not going to tell you that in the first chapter because they want you to go deeper and deeper and deeper. And usually by the last chapter is where the revelation occurs. You see, if we just put it on the front of the church, the word G-O-D, God, that's a big title. It's a big thing for people to understand and how do I figure that out? How do I read that? How do I get that? But it's important just like a book that you keep pushing in and you explore who God is. You read his book. You read what he has for you, what he says about you. You come to church and you get more revelation because once again, God's trying to reveal things to you. He's not trying to hide things from you. He wants to save you. He wants to heal you. He wants to restore you. He wants to love you. He wants you to know about his personality. He wants you to know about his son. He wants you to know about his Holy Spirit. He wants you to know about his house, his home, his plan, his purpose for you. And it starts with you just continually taking a step into that book titled God. Read the foreword. Get saved. Come to church and hear about what he's got planned for you. The names of God that he has, he's Jehovah Jireh, he's the provider, he's the healer, he's the righteousness, he's the shepherd, he's the almighty God. Jesus is the prince of peace, he's the savior of your soul. He's the overseer of your soul. He's the great shepherd. He's the alpha and he's the omega, which means he's the beginning and the end. And if he's at the beginning and he's at the end, he's right here in the middle with you, walking and leading and guiding you. He is all grace. He is all truth. He is righteousness. He is holiness. He wants to reveal himself to you. And it starts with you going on an exploration of a journey with him. Just like these shepherds, you yourself need to understand that God is not trying to hide things from you, but He's trying to reveal things to you, especially about His Son. The second thing that we see in Luke chapter 2, we'll jump up to verse 16, it says, "...and the shepherds made haste, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger." The second thing that we can see from this story is that we need to respond immediately to what God wants you to do. Because one, once we recognize that God wants to talk to me, God wants to have a relationship with me, God wants to speak to me, the next step is that we respond immediately. We make haste. We know that the Bible wasn't written in English. It was written in Hebrew and Greek, and so we can study these words and see a deeper definition. And that phrase or that word haste in the Greek means speed and also means to desire earnestly. That these shepherds, after they had seen these angels, after they had heard this music, after they had experienced this moment, they made haste as quickly as they could. Speedily, speedy Gonzalez, they took off running to go find this babe, but not only were they just running to find this babe, they had a desire inside of them to see who this king was, to see who this savior was, to see who this babe was. In Romans chapter thirteen, verses eleven. I'll just read it. R- Romans thirteen, eleven. Yep, yep. Oh, there we go. Thank you, my love. And do this, which means there's an action on your part. Paul is writing to the church in Rome. He's writing to the Gentile church. He's writing to you and me. And do this. There's an action that you need to do knowing the time. It's important that you understand the time, where you're at, what's going on in your life, the seasons that God is taking you into. But look, know the time. But it's important that now, right now, in this moment, don't wait another second, that now it is high time to awake out of the sleep. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. That we make it a priority in our lives to make haste to get to God as quick as we can. That we desire Him earnestly, and whenever He speaks to us, whenever He encourages us, Whenever he tells us to do something, whenever we read something in the Bible, whenever the pastor is preaching, whenever you hear something on the radio and you know that God is speaking, that we make haste to do what he has to say. Because now, more than any other time, is the perfect time for you to walk in salvation. If you've never believed, then believing him the first time. Salvation there. But salvation is not just a one-time moment that we think. Yes, salvation occurs where we once were dead, now we're alive. We once were sinners, now we're righteous. We once were in the kingdom of darkness and we have been conveyed into the kingdom of light. That is what salvation is. But God doesn't just save you there and leave you there. That sozo is what the word is. Salvation goes for the rest of your life. And it saves you body. It saves you spirit. And it saves you soul. So every time you need salvation, you can call on him and say, now is the time that I need my body to be saved. Now is the time that I need my marriage to be saved. I know you saved me and you saved soul. Spirit, and I'm going to heaven, but my soul still hurts. It's hard to forgive them. It's hard to let go of these emotions. It's hard to work through this depression. It's hard. I need salvation now. That we respond immediately when he shows up. For those of us who are married and have kids, especially us men, do you remember the day that your wife went into labor? Dalton, you're about to find this out. The first child that we had, we were uh, going to have the baby. We, I was not involved. You find out on the day that your wife has this baby how little you have to do with it as you're just trying to encourage them and love them. But you find out on the day that your wife is going to have that baby how to make haste because whatever she needs, you're running like a, a chicken with his head cut off trying to figure it out. I need ice chips. Okay, we got to get some ice chips. We just have whole ice. I'll I'll crush it. Don't worry. Well, here we go. I I just want regular water. I don't need ice chips. Okay, well, I didn't mean to do that. Here we go. Get this. I need blankets. I've got all of them. Take all the blankets off. I'm sorry. You find out on the day that your wife is going to have a baby how to make haste. There's speed in everything that you do. You don't want to mess up. You don't want to miss a moment. But there's also this desire, this earnest desire inside of you that you want a healthy baby. You want a healthy wife. You want to make it as as easy and as quick and whatever you can do to help, that you respond immediately. When she says, I need, you're already running and you're grabbing, and you're grabbing stuff along the way. Like, maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. The first child that we had, we... Um, we Attempted to have the baby and what? A birthing center? Is that what it was called? And it was just this house somewhere that I had to drive Maddie to. And I drove her there, and they checked on her, and they said, she's not ready. Take her home. So for the first baby that I had, Jesus, what just happened? Uh, the first baby that we had, they told me to go home, and it was just me and her at home for hours in hours, and I was calling the place, and I was like, can I bring her now, please? Because I don't know what I'm doing, and she looks like she's hurting, and I'm pretty sure the baby's already here, and I've tried to do everything that I could, but it's not working. Second baby, we went to a hospital, and I was like, here, y'all take it. Y'all, <laughs> y'all, y'all figure it out. <laughs> y'all make it happen. I'll just stand over here and pray, and But just like the shepherds who made haste, as soon as they heard the angels and the angels disappeared, the first thing they did was, let's go obey. Let's go find the babe. Let's go find the king. Let's respond immediately. It's the same thing that you should do. Just like when you're waiting on that baby to come. You respond immediately to what God has for you with speed. I'm not going to wait. Is that you, God? Well, I'll wait till next Sunday, and then I'll see if I'm supposed to pray with that person, if I'm supposed to call that person. You want me to do what, God? You want me to forgive that person? You want me to release this? You want me to? No, there's things that God is trying to get to you, and he's getting it to you so that you can respond quickly so it can help you change your life. Jesus says, I come to give life and more abundantly. Yes, he saved you whenever you got saved, but that wasn't the end of it. Jesus didn't save you and then walk off and say, well, I'll see you in heaven. Good luck with life. It's not going to be fun. And he just walks off and says, no, he put the Holy Spirit inside of us. The Holy Spirit inside of us, it says that he will lead us and guide us into all truth and tell us of things to come, that the Holy Spirit wants to show you what's next. My daughter's now two years old. February of last year, before all the craziness occurs, was it last year? When was she born? 2019? Something like that. 2020, let's just erase it. God speaks to me in the shower, so I take a lot of showers. We talk a lot. And while I was in the shower, when we were staying with my in-laws, God told me, it's time for you to have another baby. I said, nope, turn the shower off. We're getting out of here. We're not going to talk about that. And he said, it's time to have another baby. She needs to be born by the end of this year because I have a plan for her and I have things that she needs to do. I said, well, God, you do realize you're putting pronouns, pretty specific pronouns on this baby. So we responded immediately and she got pregnant. That was January, February. We found out we were pregnant. February, March. She was born in October of 2019. That We responded immediately that God spoke. We talked about it. We had the baby. Here she is two years later. I don't know what she's going to do, but she's going <laughs> to whip whatever it is into shape. But God wants to get something to you. He wants to save you. He wants to restore you, but he also wants to take some things out of you. There are things that you've picked up over the last couple years and throughout your life that you were never supposed to have, you were never supposed to handle, you were never supposed to carry, and God is saying, give that back to me. And you're saying, no, just like my two-year-old girl. Let me have the scissors. You shouldn't be playing with those. No, take that out of your mouth. That's dog food. That's not food for you. No, 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 it's not designed for you. It was never intended for that to happen to you. You weren't supposed to experience that. You weren't supposed to be wounded. Give that to me. Cast your cares upon me because I want to care for you. And I want to give you something. The last thing we have is tell others about this child. Verse 17 in Luke chapter 2 says, Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child. I mean, what would you do? An angel showed up and talked to you. Then him and all his friends gave you a free heavenly choir song without a ticket. And then you're the first ones to walk in to that stable and see your Savior. Cooing and con and crying and spitting up and laughing. The first one to see him. What happened to those shepherds? Do you think they followed His ministry? Do you think they saw Jesus again? Do you think they heard about Him on the cross? Forever changed them. Their one encounter with Jesus that we see in the Scriptures forever changed them. And they just didn't go tell their mom and dad. I was out on the hill the other day and like an angel showed up, but it was whatever. Like, we went back to work. It says they made widely known. Everywhere they went, let me tell you about this babe. Let me tell you about this king. Let me tell you about this savior. There's a story in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus is speaking and he encounters John the Baptist's disciples. Uh, John, chapter, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 11 verse 1. Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his twelve disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John, being John the Baptist, being his family, one of his cousins had heard, John the Baptist is in prison now, had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? So we take a timeout right here. John the Baptist, who had been ministering and preaching and doing all these things, is now arrested. He's in jail. He hears about Jesus. Remember, he's the one who baptized Jesus. And it says when he baptized him, he came up out. He saw a dove, like the Holy Spirit, like a dove, descending upon Jesus And he realizes at this moment, this is the Savior, this is the King, this is the one who is coming to take away the sins of the world, and now he's in jail, now he's in a bad predicament, and he's thinking, well, I thought he was going to save us from something, but I'm locked up in jail, I'm his family, and he doesn't care about me. And he started having doubts in his heart. And so he tells his disciples, go talk to him, and he says, the question that I want you to ask is, are you the coming one, or do we look for another? And we think that's a silly question that he would say after he did all those things. But even in ourselves, we've probably asked that question. You've been praying for something over and over and over again, and you haven't seen the answer, and you've started to doubt. And you're asking, are you the coming one? Are you the one that truly is supposed to save my soul and save my spirit and save my body? Are you truly the one who said that you would heal, but I'm still sick? Are you truly the one who said you're this, but I still feel that? Where are you? Well, I'm just going to look for something else. And you go back to the bottle. You go back to the government. You go back to social media. You go back to your spouse. You go back to whatever that is that you think can save you and restore you and heal you. And John says, Jesus, are you the one, or should we look for another And Jesus answers with this in verse 4. Jesus answered and said to him, go and tell John, and you as well today, go and tell your family and your friends the things which you hear and which you see, that God this year, if you sit back and think, has provided miracles in your life. He's healed you. He's restored you. He's given you jobs. He's brought in finances. He's restored this. He's restored that. He's changed this. He's changed that. Go and tell them what you see and hear. And look what Jesus says. The blind see, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf ears, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And look at this. And blessed is he, or she, who is not offended because of me. It's very easy to get offended by Jesus. Sometimes we go to church and we hear something that we don't like, and it's not because I'm saying it's because the Holy Spirit just put his finger right on that thing that he's asking you to let go. He's putting his finger right on the thing that he's asking you to give up, to change, to be healed from, to be restored from. And you say, well, that pastor must have been reading my emails I'm done with him. I'll go to another church, and they'll tell me something better. Guess what? The Holy Spirit's there. Hopefully. Hopefully he's at that church too, and he'll tell you the same thing. See you back in six months. (laughs) Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Now, more than ever, in this time frame that we're in, everybody's offended about everything, all the time, any which way. And Jesus says, you'll either be offended by me, or you'll be blessed by me. And if you're blessed by me, then the lame are going to be able to walk. The deaf are going to be able to hear. The gospel is going to be preached. Go and tell them what you see and what you hear. And blessed are you if those aren't offended. When I worked in the prison when I was in college as a corrections officer, there was one time when I would interact with prisoners where they actually liked me. Or they liked any of us corrections officers. And it was the moment that we got to tell them that they were free. When we got to walk into the jail cell and we'd say, Inmate, whatever your name is, pack your stuff, let's go. And I'd never seen somebody obey so quickly in the jail. Oh, okay, we gotta go. We gotta go. And they're just most of the time they don't even they don't even get their stuff. They don't care. You can have my food, you can have my bed, you can have my shirt, you can have whatever, I'm free. And so one time they would run to you with joy, and I saw grown men and grown women skipping down the hall. But when I walked in there and I said, all of you inmates, go to your cell, we're going to shut you in, we're going to lock you in, it's time to go to bed, and we closed all the doors You'd be amazed at how, fa- how slow human beings can travel to get to that jail cell a foot away. Come on, buddy. We can do it. Just get on in there. Every night, we do this every night, and it's the same issue as I'm inching the door with the, with the things as it's slowly closing, barely hitting their butt. Come on. Let's get on in there. But the moment I walked in there and says, you've made bond, you have served your time, You've never seen somebody run so fast where the joy was inside of them because the message that I brought was freedom and forever changed them because they were no longer locked in that cell. They were no longer eating the garbage that we had to feed them. They were no longer dealing with the other things that comes along with the jail cell. And just like the shepherds, it's vital and it's important that each and every one of us go out there in this world that's dying, that's locked up, that's not free, that's dealing with what they're dealing with, that we, like Jesus, says, go out and tell them what you see and what you hear. Because you have the gospel message inside of you, and that gospel message can free anybody from the worst of sins, That gospel so powerful, it can raise the dead. That gospel so powerful, it can break suicide off somebody. That gospel so powerful, it can heal somebody from cancer. That gospel is so powerful that it can pull you out of death and bring you into life. That's how powerful this gospel message is. And those shepherds couldn't stop talking about it. And neither should you and neither should me and us as we go out and we share This gospel message that is life-giving, that is life-changing, and that brings freedom. It says in the Scriptures, you will know the truth, and that truth will set you free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, is what the Scripture says. And as we finish, tell others about this child. We'll look at one last story, and we'll tie all three of these points together. In Luke chapter 19... Verses 5 through 6, yeah, 5, starting in verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up, he looked up in a tree, a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see, and said to him, Zacchaeus, the same phrase that the shepherds did, make haste. Now, this is Jesus telling humanity, make haste and come down, for today, I must stay at your house. This is Jesus telling humanity, come down from that tree. Remember Adam and Eve who have been hiding in that tree? They've been hiding. They're naked. They're ashamed. Zacchaeus is up in a tree. He's a chief sinner, not just a regular sinner. He's the chief of sinners as a tax collector. And he's hiding in a tree just like mankind was. And Jesus shows up to that tree and he says, quit hiding because make haste because I've got to come to your house and I've got to rescue you and I've got to heal you and I've got to save you. Listen to what God wants to talk to you about today. He wants to tell you first about what his son did for you and so much more. Look at verse 6. So what does Zacchaeus do? Immediately obeys. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. The second point we have, respond and make haste to what he is showing you or telling you. Look at verse 7. But when they, God, don't you hate theys? You're trying to get your life together. You're trying to show up, come to church. You're trying to get back on track with God. You're trying to get your marriage fixed, your kids fixed, your job fixed, your finances in order. And they, stupid they, when they saw it, they all complained. He has gone to be with a guest, with a man who's a sinner. Those same people chirping in your ear. You think it's going to change just because you go to church Just because you started raising your hands and praying to God, you think your life's going to change? You think God's going to do anything? they are always going to be around. But let's look at his response. Verse 8. Then Zacchaeus stood in front of all of these, in front of all of his family, in front of all of his friends, and said, all the Lord said is, I need to come to your house. That's all he said. I'm just going to come to your house and hang out with you. Look, Lord. An immediate response, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusations, then I restore fourfold. The third point that we're talking about today is tell others the good news of Christmas and this child. And let's finish it up in verse 8. Is that where we're at? Uh, Go to verse 9. And then Jesus said, because of his response, Jesus says, today salvation Zacchaeus, I need to come to your house. It's important that I come. Zacchaeus said, Absolutely, let's go. Didn't prepare his house. He showed up. The house was dirty. The kids were running around in their diapers. The wife was trying to throw some food together. I can't believe you invited the Savior, the God, the King, the one who was and is and is to come. He's here. I didn't even clean the toilets. And then Zacchaeus stands up while everybody else is complaining and says, Because you just came to my house. I'll give back whatever I've stolen. And Jesus says, right now is the time of salvation. Today salvation has come to this house because he is also a son of Abraham. And here it is. We're finishing with this scripture in verse 10. For the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Quit hiding in those trees. God is calling you. He's speaking to you, and he's asking you to respond. And all he's asking for is your heart. All he's asking is for your yes. All he's asking is for you to give up those things that you've been carrying around and to respond immediately. And when you see and you hear what he's done for you, then the only thing that he asks is that you go tell others about how good this child is. And what he did for you, he'll do again. And what he does once again, he'll do it for the person on your left or right because God is a good God, and he's going to take care of his people. Amen? Let's stand up today as we get ready to go. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word. We thank you for sending your child. We thank you for speaking to us today. We open our heart to hear from you. Holy Spirit, even now, speak to your people. That still, small, quiet voice, speak to your people. Let them know what they're supposed to do. If it's salvation, Father, let them believe and confess you now as Lord. If they've been away from you for a while, Father, speak to them about returning to you. Father, if it's something they need to let go, if it's something they need to receive from you, whatever it is, Holy Spirit, now speak to your people. And Father, as we hear your voice, as that memory comes to our mind, as we feel that, that unction in our chest of what we're supposed to do, what we're supposed to say, where we're supposed to go, that we respond to it. If we need to pray, if we need to make a call, if we need to send a Christmas card to somebody, if we need to give, if we need to show up to that person's house, if we need to not show up to that person's house, Father, what it is, we respond immediately today. And Father, we just, res- we just make it a point and a priority that we're going to tell people about Jesus this year. As we go into 2022, we're just going to tell people about the things that we've seen and hear, how you saved me, how you saved my family, how you saved my kids, how you have brought health and finances into our family, how you've blessed this church, how you've blessed this community. Father, we're just going to go out there and share about this child everywhere we go. Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You that it has resonated inside of us. It's a seed that is planted inside of our souls, and it will bear fruit, some 30, some 60, even 100-fold. Father, I thank You that Your Word says everyone here has the mind of Christ. Father, Your Word says, and You declare that each and every person is healed by the stripes of Jesus, now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that each and every person here is the head and not the tail. They're above and not beneath. They're blessed in the city and they're blessed in the field. They are blessed where they are right now and they're blessed in the future that you're bringing them into. And everything they put their hands to must prosper because the favor of God surrounds them like a shield is what your word says. So be faithful and fruitful to your word, Father. Father, I thank you that we are the salt and light of the earth. We're a city set on a hill that refuses to be hidden. We will go out and share this gospel message. Your word says that we release the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ everywhere we go. Every house we step into, every store we step into for this week as we get ready for Christmas and New Year's, everything we do, we are going to release the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ everywhere we go. I might walk into that family member's house and there might be frustration, there might be angst, there might be anger, there might be whatever, but when I walk in, the atmosphere changes because of who I bring with me because greater are you that's in me than any household that I walk into and they're dumb devils. So Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you that they're blessed and highly favored. Father, I thank you that you provide them with traveling mercies wherever they go. Father, that they are safe, their cars are safe, their travel is safe. And Father, I ask you to protect them as they're with their family over the next couple of weeks and as we get ready to go into a victorious 2022. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, we love you. We'll see y'all next week. Take care, family. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC, and have a great week.